You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. My name is Penny Maxwell. Um, I've been married to my husband 29 years. We have three kids and two that married in. I don't know if we have a picture. Do we have a picture? Do we? We do. I forgot to tell them. All right. So here we go. I'm going to come over here. Hopefully this will hold 105 pounds. Okay, so this is my son-in-law, Noah, my middle daughter, Cabell, my youngest. She's the only one we haven't married off yet, but I'm thinking we're close. (laughs) My husband says, then we get to have a naked room in the house. Just saying. Okay. All right. Then we have my daughter-in-law, Madison, and then that's my son, my oldest, Colby. Those are my babies. So I am so glad to be here for not just the conference, but to hear to minister to you this morning, because there's nothing like the local church. There's nothing better than building what God says is the most important thing. So I'm glad to get to be here with you. And in in doing that and building the church, I have a question that I want to ask you today. I want to ask you this. What do you do when life gets hard? Anybody been through a hard season? Anybody been through a hard time lately? Has anybody been alive the last two years? Right? It's been a bit of a difficult season. And my question for you is what do you do when things get really hard? When culture just feels like it's smacking you upside of the head? Well, what we're going to do today is we're going to take a little journey through the life of Peter and find out a lot about Peter and what he walked through and how he did great at times and how he didn't do so great at times. And maybe we will figure something out about our life in the process. I want to start out by reading in Matthew chapter four about the day that Peter was actually given his call, his purpose In Matthew 4, 18, it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, what I love about that Greek word there, immediately, is that attached to it was an intense sense of urgency. Now, the thing that I love when I I study Hebrew or I study Greek and I I just go through and learn all the words and try to figure out all the, the meanings is it's very different than our English language. It's even different than the language I speak Southern, right? It's just very different language. And what I mean by that is this. I have a little dog with an underbite. His name is Snickers, right? He's like 10 pounds and a little fluff ball. And I love that dog. My husband doesn't so much love him because I think there's a little jealousy going on. But my dog, I say all the time, I love Snickers. But I also say I love my husband. Now, in the English language, you are just meant to assume which one there's more emphasis on, right? 
Not so in the Greek language. And, and by the way, um, you could answer that question by figuring out which one is in the doghouse that week because they kind of rotate, you know? <laughs> but in the Greek language, there are many different words that mean love, and they're very specific. They're very specified. So when I say I love a cheeseburger and I love Troy Maxwell, in English, you just got to kind of figure it out. The Greek language doesn't do that. It is very, very specific. So as I begin to dive in today, I'm going to be pulling some things from the Greek, and I want you to understand when I'm breaking a word down, that it's a very specific word today. Like this word immediately, it doesn't mean just quick. It means there was such a sense of urgency. They were willing to give everything up to go and follow Jesus, right? But how many of you know that in life, there are some things happen that even when you're called, even when you're anointed by God and appointed by God, we all go through stuff. We all go through problems. We all go through difficulties and we all miss the mark. Peter was like that as well. As a matter of fact, um, Jesus was explaining to Peter how he was going to have to die this gruesome death and go to the cross. And Peter's like, no, yo, Jesus, I got you. This isn't going to happen. Like I'm a big old fisherman. I got the beard and everything. Nobody's going to mess with you. And Jesus is like, no, Peter, you don't understand. This is actually what has to happen. And this is going to, and Peter's like, no, Jesus, no, it's not. And finally, Jesus is like, had about enough. And he looks and he turns to Peter. And what does he call him? He calls him Satan. I mean, do you think it would be a bad day for you when Jesus, the son of God, calls you Satan? I mean, that's never happened to me. I've had some other moments, but Jesus has never called me Satan before. That's kind of humiliating to me. Oh, but it gets gooder and gooder and gooder. Here is Peter, James, and John, and all the disciples. They're actually standing at the bottom of the mountain, and Jesus signals to the three, and he says, I want you three to come with me. The rest of you, you need to stay down here, but you three, I want you to come with me. We're, we're going to go up to the top of the mountain. And he goes up to the top of the mountain, and they are about to have the most incredible experience of their entire life. The power and the presence of God shows up and it comes all over Jesus and light. He like his entire body lights up. His face is lit up. That's where we get the term. He was lit. It's from what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus was lit, right? So here he is. His face is transforming. His body is like everything about him is transforming. I would be like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I've gotten to see this. And I would probably be quiet. Then something even gooder than that comes. Then Elijah shows up. I mean, one of the greatest prophets ever to walk the face of the earth is standing by the greatest prophet that has ever walked the earth. And Peter's got a front row seat. Elijah shows up. I mean, he'd heard all the stories. He'd seen all the miracles. He'd heard them written about. And now he's getting to see Elijah in person after all he's heard. That's a crazy moment, but it gets even gooder. Then Moses, the one who actually delivered his people, shows up. They're all standing. 
standing out. They're all getting lit together. Like they're on the top of the mountain having this incredible party. I mean, literally the law and the prophets between Moses and Elijah is standing in front of Peter. Jesus, the savior of all mankind. And God begins to audibly speak intense moment. I mean, I don't know what to even equate that with. Like I started thinking, who would I really love to see? Abraham Lincoln, we could use him right about now. You know, maybe Elvis, maybe we could use a little entertainment right about now. I mean, I'm thinking, what would I do if all these people like showed up? But what does Peter do? He's like, hey, all of you guys, I've got this really great idea. Why don't we like build an altar right here? Since all of the greats are here, let's just build an altar. And God literally begins to speak over top of him and cuts him off. That doesn't feel like such a good moment to me. It feels like a major gaffe. Like, Peter, what are you doing, dude? God literally shuts him off, shuts him down right there on the top of the mountain. But, you know, it doesn't stop there. Peter, Peter is is having a conversation with Jesus and Jesus is having to explain to him the prophetic words of what are going to happen and how he's going to be taken away. And Peter's like, no, he won't, Jesus. I'm going to look after you. You're my bro. I got you. So here the Roman soldiers come to take Peter away or take Jesus away. And what does Peter do? He's like, oh, no, I got to look out for him. And he pulls his sword out and he chops his ear off. And Jesus is like, oh, Peter's still not learning. Peter, Peter, he picks the ear up, pops it back on the head. And he's like, Peter, man, no, no. But that's not the end of it. Peter keeps making mistakes. I want to take you line by line through this one. Matthew 26, 31. This is the last supper where Jesus is literally, this is his last moments with them before he goes to die on the cross. He's already told them prophetically everything that's going to happen. And there's like a recap, right? He's having a recap before the test. And here he is. Says Jesus told them, all of his disciples, they're having the last supper. This very night, you will all fall away on account of me. Jesus is saying, listen, you're all going to fall tonight. And then Jesus says, it is also prophetically written I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus told him what was going to happen. He said, and it's been prophesied. But Peter replied, even if I have to fall away on account of you, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Dude still hasn't learned. Then Jesus says, truly, Peter, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me. How many times? Three Three times. Not next week, not next month, not next year, but tonight. You are going to do this tonight, Peter. Do you understand that, Peter? But Peter declared... 
even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Why? Because they always followed Peter. Even if he wasn't always the best of leaders, he was still a leader. Did you know that there's always somebody following you, whether you realize it or not? And you have to decide, how am I going to lead? Peter had all the disciples following him. And he says, even if I have to die, be careful what you wish for, Peter. Be careful. So what I want to do now is I love the synoptic gospels. I love just reading through them. And I love just studying how they're different stories of the same uh, encounter, but they're told by different people and different writers. And so we just read from Matthew, who was a tax collector. Now we're going to read from Luke, who was a physician, the same moment, the same dinner. It says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. This is Jesus speaking to Peter. And when you have returned to me, in other words, Peter, you're going to fall away but I'm believing you're going to come back. I'm actually declaring it right now that you're going to come back, Peter. And when you do come back, I'm asking you to strengthen your brethren because see, they follow you. I'm asking you to strengthen them. But Peter said to him, Lord, I am, what's that next word? I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Now, what I find is so interesting here is that Peter had already had his name changed. His name wasn't Simon anymore, but yet Jesus says to him, Simon, Simon. That's his old name. Why is Jesus, who actually gave him the name Peter, why is Jesus two times going Simon, Simon? When you were a kid and you had a, a, a nickname, maybe you were Jimmy, little Jimmy, and you got in trouble, your mom would always call you a name that would get your attention, right? James, James, why are you doing that, James? Jesus is calling him by his old name because he's like, you're acting more like who you used to be than who I called you to be. And Peter responds to him and he's like, no, Lord, you don't understand. I am ready. I'm ready. But that Greek word right there, it's a very specific word that's used. It's the Greek word he told us. And it actually means, Jesus, you don't understand. I am physically fit. I am up to this fight. I am a fisherman. I'm ready to go. I am equipped for this battle physically. I am strong. He was a fisherman by trade, and fishermen were very strong. They were always pulling in heavy nets. We know, we know that Peter has been called already. We know that he's walking in this calling, but here he is going, hey, I'm physically fit. 
But Jesus was trying to get Peter to understand, Peter, listen, I'm not interested in whether you're physically fit. I need you spiritually fit for this battle. And we see consistently where Peter should be responding to a spiritual battle, but he's pulling out a sword and slicing off ears because he's looking at the situation with his eyes instead of in the spirit. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 Peter, I I don't need you physically fit. This battle I'm talking about is a war in the heavenlies. I need you spiritually fit. And Peter is responding with physical characteristics. And then we know by continuing to read that that very night, Peter did, in fact, deny Jesus three times, exactly like Jesus predicted. But what happened after the denial? What happened with Peter? Well, it's the same thing that happens to you and I. When we feel shame, when we feel like we've done something wrong, when we feel like we've missed that mark, the tendency is, is to go back to our old life, to go back to where we came from. Because the way that we are wired, we are wired to be comfortable in our flesh. Our spirit is not like that. And there is always this war between our flesh and in our spirit. And here in the middle is our soul, which is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And when those are connected to the spirit, we thrive. When those are connected to the flesh, we do what Peter did, which is we go back to our old life. And in John 21, verse 3, it says, Simon Peter, we know what he's done. He's returned to fishing again. And it says, he says to them, the other disciples, because what do they do? They follow him. He says to them, I'm going fishing. And they told him, we are going with you also. Then they went out and immediately got into the boat that night and they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? In other words, hey, what's in your boat? What do you have in your boat? And they respond, nothing. No, we don't have anything. And then he says, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast. Now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, therefore, because of what just happened, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, this is written by John. John is saying, Jesus loves me, right? The disciple whom Jesus loved because of what just happened with the net said to Peter, Peter, it's the Lord. Now, why did Peter have that moment? Well, because in Luke chapter five, when Jesus actually called them, when he came upon them, when he met them, when he called them, Here was a situation where they had been out fishing all night long. They caught absolutely nothing. They're coming in. 
The dawn is breaking. The time for fishing. All of that is over. They're washing their nets. It's breakfast time. And Jesus says, hey, can I use your boat? And Peter was like, okay. And then he says, hey, can you launch off from the shore? Peter's like, okay. And Jesus began to preach from Peter's boat. He, he pulled off off the shore because the, the voices would amplify over the water. And, and it was just like having a PA system. And he began to preach the gospel from Peter's boat. And he looks at Peter and the other people in the boat. And he's like, hey, throw your net over. And they're like, oh, we just washed them. They're nice and clean. And he's like, no, 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 you'll, you'll catch something. And they're like, oh, no, no. You see, we actually tried all night to catch something, and there was nothing. Um, and now we're actually done, and we were letting you use the boat. We were getting ready to come off. It's been a long night. And Peter says that he said, you know, nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, we'll throw it over. And they throw it over, and we know the story. They pull in a net breaking, boat sinking load of fish. That was the day that Peter and the other disciples who were fishermen were called. So what is Jesus doing? They have gone back to their old life. Jesus is showing up and he's recreating the miracle. There were two times recorded when the same miracle happened on different days. One, the day they were called. And the other day is the day that they walked away from their calling. Jesus was reminding them, hey, that's why they were like, oh my gosh, throw the net in. You guys, we've been here before. Oh my gosh, it's Jesus. He showed, oh my Peter, it's Jesus. Do you remember the last time this happened? You remember the day he called us out? Oh my gosh, here he is now. He's going to know that we didn't follow through with the call that he gave us. Peter. And it says, what did Peter too? It says, what do when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garments for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. Now, why in the world would you put on clothes to dive into the water? We're going to come back to that in a minute. It says, but the other disciples came in a little boat for they were not far from the land, about 200 cubits. You know, they were going to follow him in 200 cubits is about 300 feet. It says they were not far from, from the land. They were dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals, say fire of coals. They saw a fire of coals. And Jesus had laid fish on it and bread. Wow. What is Jesus doing? What's going on? They saw a, what were those three words? Fire of coals. What's going on? Jesus begins to have a conversation with them. But you know, when Peter came up on that shore, he put on his jacket because fishermen had a uniform that they wore. 
They had a very specific uniform and it covered their middle and that's all that it did because they would get messy, they would get dirty when they were out there and so they had a specific uniform on, a lot like a waiter or a waitress or a police officer. You could designate who they were based on what they were wearing. And here is Peter gone back to his old life. And here is Jesus. And Peter's going, oh my gosh, he's going to know by looking at me that I've returned to my old life again. And shame caused him to take his outer garments and put it on and dive into the water. So when he got to the shore, he's just hoping that, that Jesus wouldn't see Because see, that's what shame does. It causes us to hide and to cover just like in Genesis 3.10 with Adam and Eve. When God said, where are you? It wasn't because they were playing hide and seek and God lost and didn't know where they were. God was like, where are you? Because you need to know where you're at because you can't change or you can't get where you need to be. When When I go to the mall... I have to look for the you are here sign so I can know where I need to be. Jesus is encountering Peter. And Peter was trying to hide where he was. Just like Adam and Eve. I I was afraid. Why were you afraid? Because I was naked. So what did you do? I hid. When we feel shame, the first thing we want to do is hide the very thing we need to be exposing and giving over to God because he already knows that you'd walked away. He already knows that you looked at that thing on the internet you shouldn't have been looking at. He already knows that you emailed somebody that you hadn't connected with in a long time. He knows what your search history looks like on your computer. But we hit escape on the computer thinking that God didn't see it. And so here he is coming on shore and there is Jesus. What we don't realize is that the best lessons in life are in the university of adversity. We will learn more in that classroom than any other classroom we will ever be in. And here is Jesus coming face to face with Peter. And he has a question for Peter. He says, Peter, come around the fire. And he says to him, Peter, do you love me? But it's not like our word love. He says, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me with the God kind of love that is the kind of love that never breaks a covenant? Wait a second, Jesus, you're asking a guy that just denied you three times? Does he agape you? What are you, what are you trying to do? You trying to humiliate him? You trying to embarrass him in front of everybody? And Peter responds to Jesus and he says, yes, Jesus, I love you. I phileo you. In other words, that word means I love you like a close brother. He didn't respond with the same word love. Could you imagine the shame he's feeling? 
Jesus asks him a second time, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me? Peter responds with Jesus, you know I phileo you. You know I love you like a brother. Why are you asking me this? The third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? But Jesus doesn't ask him the third time if he agapes me. He said, you didn't say, do you agape me? He said, Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter responded, yes. Why did Jesus change it? Because he wanted Peter to understand that Peter was not capable of a perfect perfection love. He wanted Peter to understand, Peter, that's not attainable for you. So why are you sitting in your shame right now? There's no way that you can agape because, listen, you're a human being, Peter. Peter, I understand there's a high bar and Peter, you're going to miss it. And that's what I just did, Peter. I came to give you access to the throne because you aren't perfect. There's only one. Agape is the God kind of love. And so here's Peter sitting around the fire. Because you see what happens when our pride has been wounded? We question our usefulness. We wonder, God, can you even still use me? Did you know that God doesn't? God doesn't question. I want to take you back and I want to show you what happened when Peter fell, the day Peter fell. When Jesus was getting taken away, only two disciples followed him. One of them was Peter. We never congratulate Peter on that. He started off right, but see, fear of culture got him. When the stakes got high for being a Christian, he buckled. And I want to read you exactly what happened in John 18, 15. It says, and Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you, are you not also one of this man's disciples? You know, are you? Peter said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who had made a, what are those three words? Fire of coals stood there. For it was cold and they warmed themselves and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. And we know that two more times Peter denied Jesus standing around that coal of fires. So can you see now why Jesus brought Peter up on the beach the three times that Peter denied him, Jesus counteracted with three, Peter, do you love me? And course corrected. And not only when Peter fell, when he denied Jesus, was it around a coal of fires, 
but Jesus brought him back around a coal of fire. So there's only two times in the Bible where that fire of coals is mentioned, only twice. And it's when Peter fell and when Peter was restored. Jesus brings him back around that coal of fires and he says to him, will you follow me? He asks him again. He gives him a redo. He gives him a start over. He gives him a brand new beginning. Even though Peter had messed up, even though Peter had fallen away, even though Peter was in shame, here is Jesus calling him back out. And I love how specific Jesus is. Because if you've ever been around a campfire, the smoke gets in your hair, you're remembering days later in your clothes, like it's a smell that you can't forget. It brings back memories. It, 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 it makes you and reminds you, I could ask you to think about being around a campfire right now and you could. I've got the coal of fires here. And here's the thing that I love about Jesus is Jesus says to Peter, come on back. We're here by the fire. Gives him another call. Follow me. Jesus didn't say, you know what? You really messed things up. Jesus is like, this is why I did what I did. Because I love you. Will you stand on your feet with me? I want to ask you this question with every head bowed, with every eye closed. I want to ask you this question. Have you stepped back from something that God has called you to? Because culture got hard, because things got difficult. Have you walked away? Have you stepped away? Have you backed up? I believe the Lord today is calling people back around the fire. Matter of fact, I heard him speak to me. I want you to gather people today around the fire. People that have messed up. Could be yesterday, last week. Maybe you just realized you hadn't been standing up like you should. Today, God said, come back around the fire. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out of your seats right now, and I want you to come up front. And I want you to stand around the fire with me. Just look at the person beside you. Say, excuse me, excuse me. I'm going to stand by the fire and get things straight. I'm going to stand by the fire. I I'm walking away from yesterday. Just come on up. Come on up. You don't have to be shy. You don't have to be nervous. We're all family. Keep coming. Jesus is saying, I want you to feel the warmth of the fire. I want you to get close enough. Come on in. Y'all just gather all the way around the fire. We're sitting at the fire right now. He's saying, doesn't matter what yesterday looked like. And I think so many times we beat ourselves up. Because Peter never stopped loving God but he didn't fully serve like he should have because culture got hard and he got trapped by what he was seeing around him. Things were hostile. Things got difficult. 
things got tough and he didn't always make the best decisions. But here he is going, you know what, God, I'm coming back around the fire because that's where I belong. And so what God is doing today is he's saying, you may have gotten off, but I'm inviting you back. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord and you want to know who he is, come gather around the fire. Gather with us. Gather around the fire. Maybe you knew him at one point. But somewhere along the way, maybe you're like Peter. You were having a human moment. Your humanity came out. And you say, man, I just need to gather back around the fire. I need to come home. If that's you today and you need a fresh start, come up here. Gather around the fire with us. If you need a do-over, get out of your seat. Come up here. Start over with us. We're family around here. Just, just here. Gather with your family around the fire because God wants to do something big in your life today. For those of you who are sitting out there, I want you just to stretch your hands. That just means I'm stretching out my faith. For those of you that are up here, and please keep coming, please keep coming. For those of you that are up here, I just want you to lift your hands up, just saying, hey God, I'm ready to receive what you have for me. Come on up here. God, I'm, I'm ready to receive what you have for me. Let's just all say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, come right now. Invade my life. Invade my situation. I ask for a fresh start. I ask for a do-over. I ask for a new beginning. I believe that your son died on the cross and rose again so that I will be saved. I receive him right now in the name of Jesus. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenchurch.com.